Who's ready for that? That guy was a little fired up. I want to be a little more like him. <laughs> well, <clears throat> this has been a real powerful week. Um, you know, when you've poured out your life, you've, you've prayed as much as you can possibly pray. You've praised as much as you can. You've sung as much as you can sing. You've preached as hard as you can preach. <laughs> Every day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, pressing in. <clears throat> you get to a place where you're, you don't know what day, what day it is. You don't know what time it is. You don't, know, you don't need sleep like you normally need, but yet you're so tired, but your spirit's awake. You know, you step into this twilight zone. Or I would call it the glory realm. And the Lord speaks to you, and the Lord shows you things. And it's, there's just nothing greater than walking with the Lord. And there's this counterfeit thing that people have. It's a Sunday Christianity. And that's fake. It's not a thing you do on Sunday like an activity. There's a life that you live in God. You give up the schedule Monday through Friday, and then you attend church. You give up that lifestyle, and you step into a new way of living in Him. In Him, you live and move and have your being. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me, and the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. There's this life of faith that you live, and this life is living according to every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And when you live in the Word of God, His Word abides in you, and you abide in Him, you can ask whatever you want of the Lord, and He'll give it to you. And this has just been such a powerful week for me. I've heard so many stories from people, people that have never encountered the Lord, just being smashed. People who've never fasted before, people who've never experienced joy before, people who've never had visions before. Even somebody this morning was telling me, um, I had this dream last night and it tells me the whole dream. And then I said, the Lord speaks in dreams and visions. And he's like, what do you mean? The Lord speaks in dreams? I said, yeah. He said, I've been waiting for a voice this whole time and the Lord's been talking to me in dreams. I'm like, well, that's him talking to you. So you don't realize, sometimes you don't realize how God's speaking to you. And, and then he's revealing to you how he's talking to you. Listen, if you talk to God, he'll talk back to you. If you talk to God, it's not the devil talking back to you. Trust me. And so it's just been an epic week for me. Looking back at the week, you know, the whole reason we've got this key up here and we're doing pure conference, you know, with, with the scripture, Proverbs 3.15, is because a year ago, while spending time with the Lord, I had an encounter. And I went into a vision, and in this vision, I was standing in front of an old rustic-looking door, and there was this golden lock in the door, but there was no key. And suddenly a key appeared in front of me. It went into the door. And the minute it went into the door and it turned, I watched this mechanism in the door that was super intricate unlock. And when it unlocked, I didn't walk through the door. I was suddenly on the inside of the building. And in this building, all around me were books. They were old leather books. And... I was somehow in a round room. I didn't know what room it was. And I'm just seeing these leather books all around me. And on one of the books in front of me, the word wisdom appeared in golden light letters. So I grabbed the book of the shelf. Now, when I say you're having a vision, it's like God's playing a movie on the screen of your imagination. But you're in the movie that you're watching. Does that make sense? So it's like you're watching yourself participate in God's movie. That's the only way I can describe this. And so I pull the book off the shelf and I open the book and there are these gold translucent liquid light pages 
And it was super deep, like I was looking into a well. And out of the bottom of this well of light came the scripture, Proverbs 3.15. And Proverbs 3.15 says, Wisdom is more precious than rubies, and nothing you desire compares with her. It's interesting that the book was called Wisdom, and when I opened it up, there was a wisdom scripture on the inside of it. I didn't know what Proverbs 3.15 was. So while I'm thinking about the scripture, and I was really blown away. I didn't know that books could, could surface scriptures like that. I've heard of people that have said they've closed their eyes and God wrote out a scripture in front of them. That was the first time that had ever happened to me. And so as I'm thinking about the scripture, <clears throat> I began to ascend in this room like an elevator. And as I'm going up in the room, I realize there's books all the way to the top of the ceiling. I went through the ceiling and I was sitting on a floor in a dark room. And suddenly the lights came on in the room and <clears throat> there was this TV wall in front of me. Just a TV in the room, nothing else. And it was a round room that I was sitting in. I could see this TV 180 degrees in front of me, but I knew it went all the way around. And while I'm staring at the TV wondering what's going on with this TV... I fly through the TV to the outside of the building to see what I'm sitting in. And I was sitting in a lighthouse library that was filled with books containing the wisdom of God. Something really interesting about this building too was when I looked at the lighthouse, it also looked like a candle. Look at the person next to you say it was a lighthouse candle. Some of you might think, well, that sounds strange. Is this really God or is this eeky-weeky stuff? No, it's God. And so I encourage you to get a journal. Everybody say journal. And on the inside of your journal, you should write God's words to me. Because there's things that God wants to show you about your life, about your children, about the plans and purposes He has for you. And you need to write those things down. Because they're specific to your life. The Bible will tell you how to live, but the, the Bible doesn't tell you where to live. The Bible will tell you how to treat your spouse, but it doesn't tell you which spouse to choose. The Bible tells you that you should work, but it doesn't tell you what your work is. Are you with me? And so God, let's read this passage of Scripture. Go to Psalm 139. <clears throat> and forgive my voice, I've been screaming and preaching <clears throat> for a week. And so I thought Siobhan's voice was going to give out, but she outlasted me. You go, girl. I'm so thankful for our worship team. I'm so thankful for them laying down their lives and praying and pressing in and, and just truly worshiping God in this house and bringing us into the Lord's presence. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for what you do for this congregation. Amen. Psalm 139 says, Oh, Lord, you've examined my heart and you know everything about me. So there's nothing you can hide from him. You know when I sit down, when I stand up, you know my thoughts, even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do, and you know what I'm going to say even before I say it. So there's no surprising God. I've tried to surprise the Lord. That scripture just wrecked it for me, but I, I like to play games with the Lord. I say to myself in my mind, I'm going to do something God's not going to expect. And I think I'm surprising him, but then I read the scripture and I realize he knows even what I'm thinking and what I'm going to say before I say it. So even though I think I'm doing it, I'm really doing nothing. It's like a kid trying to trick his dad, you know, just ain't going to happen. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand a blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. 
I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. Say so there's no separation between me and the Lord. He's ever present. If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the grave, you're there. If I ride the wings of the morning, that sounds like fun. If I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day and darkness and light are the same to you. I guess he has the ability to see clearly in darkness. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous and how well I know it. Your body is a very, very intricate machine. There was no like monkey explosion thing that happened and then you evolved. You got to have some real faith to believe that. And be slightly, let me carry on. I don't want to insult people. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion and I was woven together in the dark of the womb. This is where it gets really good. You saw me before I was born. And every day of my life was recorded in your book. And every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. So there is a book that God wrote about you while you were being formed in your mother's womb. Before you had flesh, God had a plan for your life. I don't think you heard me. Look at the person next to you and say, before you had flesh... God had a plan for your life. Say your flesh can never stop God's plan. You're not limited by your flesh. You're limited by what you believe. You'll have to watch the recording. A lot of people say it's because I don't have money, it's because of where I was born, it's because of who my family is, it's because I'm not smart enough, it's because of the color of my skin, it's because of how people treat me. It has nothing to do with any of that. God has a plan for your life, and if you ever discover the wisdom God has for you, if you access this book if you access this book about your life, what does it contain? Verse 17 tells you, how precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered, and I cannot count them. They outnumber the grains of sand, and when I wake up, you're still with me. So God has got a book about your life, who he intended you to be, and all the good thoughts that he thought about you before you were formed in your mother's womb. He wrote it out before you had one single day of your life come to pass. It was planned for you. And what we have to realize is that we can either choose to live our plan or we can live God's plan. And in order to live God's plan, you have to surrender your will to Him. As long as you say, I will create my life by what I want to do, then you set yourself up as God for your life and you're responsible for everything. You become the God of your life. But if you're going to surrender your life to Jesus and discover His will for you, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So I'm willing to surrender my way to discover your way. And that's a decision every single person has to make. But you will not discover the will of God for your life until you surrender your life to Jesus. It'll never happen. And you can go to fortune cookies, you can go to psychics, you can go to whatever you want to go to. You can only tap the spiritual realm, but you cannot tap, tap the kingdom of God. The only way to the heart of the Father is through Jesus Christ. 
It's the only way. He's the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father except through Him. That's why you need Jesus. But you don't need a Sunday Christianity. You need to get a relationship with the Lord, and you need to walk with Him like man did in the cool of the day in the Garden of Eden, where the Lord teaches you, and you let the Lord correct you. Everybody wants the Lord to bless them, but nobody wants the Lord to correct them. It's like a spoiled child that only wants their parents to give them all the things they want, but they're never willing to grow up and be responsible. I'm drunk. I don't know what I'm saying. If you get offended, I'm sorry. No, I'm just sharing truth here today. Because a lot of people have been fed a religion. You've been fed this religion, but you've never discovered life that's in God. And I'm telling you, there is life in God. There's this life that He's prepared for you. And when you discover this life, you tap the resources of God for your life. You'll never be broke another day in your life. Never. Everything that you need for what God has called you to do has already been provided. Before you were born, it was already laid out. It's available. You just have to step into that life, and as you walk, it shows up. It's like magic. Abracadabra. If you weren't here Friday, you don't know what abracadabra is all about. Hallelujah. So anyway, let me get back to where I was. This lighthouse that I saw, um, it also looked like a candle. And I want to read a scripture here. Proverbs 20, verse 27. So the two scriptures I got from that encounter, number one was Proverbs 3.15, Wisdom is more precious than rubies and nothing you desire can compare with her. But then Proverbs 20, verse 27. The Lord's light penetrates the human spirit. Exposed. Put it in the New King James or something. It should be the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. Searching and examining his innermost parts of his being. And so... The lamp of the Lord or the candle of the Lord. And what I realized was that when you sit in stillness in God's presence and you wait for Him. We all know the scripture, be still and know God. When you put everything else aside and you spend time waiting on the Lord, just seeking Him, praying, searching for Him like you would for wisdom or hidden treasure. And you spend time, just your devotion time with the Lord. He'll come and speak to you. But what I find is most people, when they spend time with the Lord, they just pour out their problems, their circumstances, they rant and rave. And that's the end of their prayer life. They didn't hear from heaven. They didn't encounter God. And they walked out of the prayer room frustrated. That's why people don't want to come and pray. If you call... A food festival at church, the city will come out. You call a prayer meeting at church, nobody shows up. Let me tell you why. Because religion has got this formula for prayer that people think have this weird mindset of what prayer is, and it doesn't produce anything. So why waste your time? I totally agree with you. But if you'll find the right way to pray, and you come into the presence of the Lord... And the Lord begins to share secret things with you about your life. You know why you're coming. You're not coming to rant and rave. You're coming to find wisdom on what God has for you. You're coming with a whole different perspective now. You're not coming to complain. You're coming to find out the exciting things God's prepared for you. The great thoughts and things He thinks about you. Now I'm excited. What's he going to show me? What's he going to say to me? And there's days where he corrects you. 
As much as God gives me visions about what to teach and what to share, God gives me the same amount in correction. He rebukes me on the reg. Why does the Lord deal with you like that? Because I've said to the Lord, I said, Lord, I need you to bust into my life at any time you need to, to correct me. Because if you do not keep me on track, I will go astray. So I've already prayed that and declare that. God, I need your grace and your help because in my human nature, I'll do things I shouldn't do if it's not for your grace. And then you can't go around judging people. Because the same grace that you need to stand, they need it. And if they don't have it, they cannot stand. And the minute you judge other people, you lose the footing for God's support and you'll fall into the same things they're doing. You see, when you point it, guess what's coming right back at you? Judgment. That's why you can't judge your parents. Because the very thing you judge your parents for, you'll do. You'll repeat. Say, how do you know that? There's two ways you learn. Say, you learn from wisdom and you learn from pain. And I've learned from a lot of pain. So that statement cost me many years of suffering. Almost killed me. And so what's really interesting is when you sit in the presence and the Lord shines His light in your heart, the wisdom comes into your heart, you, be, you change on the inside. He corrects you. He enlightens you. He shows you the truth. He shows you what He has for you. And when you receive the light of God, because at the entrance of His Word, there is light. Look at somebody and say, God is light, and in Him there is no darkness. Before the throne of God, you can read it in the book of Revelation, there are seven lamps burning before the throne. They are the seven spirits of God. There are seven lights. We're going to take the rainbow back because it belongs to God. Can you say amen? We're going to walk in the light of the glory of God. And there's seven colors to that rainbow. And each color is like a river of tangible light that contains information. It's an information stream. And when that light hits you, God transforms you. God is light. Every shade of light belongs to God. And when His light hits you, He speaks in that light. And when you receive that light, it opens up a path that you see that you walk alone with Jesus. Other people don't see what you see. But if each and every one of us will walk in the light that God gives us for our lives, we'll walk in perfect unity with each other. And so once you've been enlightened, I know some other religion probably talks about enlightenment. They steal everything from God. They steal everything from Him, and they think they're gurus. Hold my tongue, Jesus. Then you become a lighthouse so that other people don't get shipwrecked. And that's what God wants us to be. He wants us to sit in His presence, to be transformed on the inside, so that we can be shining lights to protect others from destruction. Can you say amen? And there's a book for every single person in this room. There's a book for every one of you. The Jewish New Year that we're entering into is the year of the door. Everybody say the year of the door. A year ago, God gave me a key that opened a door into a place in the spirit that I've never been before. And I've accessed information. What you have to understand about my life, though, is that I'm called to an office in the kingdom of God. And the Lord speaks to me the way that he does for you. The Lord 
teaches me things that I need to teach you so that you can walk in these things. Don't try and be me. But let what is being spoken to me receive it so you can walk in it. And I've, I, growing, growing in the things of, in the offices, you grow up being called by God to serve in the kingdom. When you follow apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers, we try to be them. Don't try and be them. Be who God's called you to be. And quite honestly, I don't carry a title. I'm a son of God. I hear his voice and I do what he says. I don't walk in a specific set of gifting. The Holy Spirit will use you if you make yourself available at whatever he wants to do. Don't claim these things for yourself. Don't look for titles. Don't look for these things. But walk in love and let God use you the way he wants to use you. Just function in love because God is love. And that's what he wants us to be. Loving him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And loving our neighbors as we do ourselves. And if we will just reduce ourselves to the God kind of love, God will use us every single day. And I have a newsflash for every person in here. The price to pay to stand in an office in the kingdom is first loving your family. God said, if a man doesn't know how to manage his own household, he will not understand how to manage the house of God. And I put a warning out there. Don't follow any man whose house is falling apart. My anointing was so strong, my wife left me. No, you're an idiot and a jerk. And she hates you, and that's why she left you, because you mistreated her. I've heard people tell me, I had such a strong anointing, my wife left me. That sounds like a demon spirit. When you're in darkness, that darkness gets really deep. When you think it's the truth. Deception is real. And it's only the light of God that can expose these things. So when the Lord speaks to you, He gives you wisdom in seasons. Look at someone and say, wisdom in seasons. Say, so He'll give you instruction in different seasons. Wisdom is like a river that flows. And as you move with the river, new things unfold. So if you were sitting in a canoe going down a river, you, would, you might see just the beginning now, but as you go further down the river, you're going to see things you didn't see at the beginning. Do you know that two or three people can be flowing in the same river but seeing things on different sides? And so as you're going down this river, the Lord will show you things and it's progressive as you move with it. You can pull the canoe over and that's all the surroundings you'll see. But if you keep moving down the river, you'll see other things until you get to the end. And so it's the same thing with God. When God speaks to you, He'll give you wisdom and then He'll watch what you'll do with it. See, when God speaks according to the word, Hebrews 11 verse 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So when you hear God speak to you, there's this faith substance. It's a spiritual building block that gets deposited on the inside of you. And when you use your mouth to say what God showed you, you use your mouth to create things that don't exist in your life. Look at somebody and say, death and life are in the power of your tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. That means that you will eat what you speak. The Bible says that God used His Word to frame the world. When you use your words, 
you frame the world that you're going to live in. And you will also frame the world your children will live in. There is power in your words. And we need to align our mouths with what the Word of God says and what we've received from the Lord in our time with Him. Are you with me? And as you begin to speak those things, that's the first step. Look at the person next to you. Say, what do I do when God speaks to me? The first thing that you do when God speaks to you is you write it down. You put the date on it and you say, on this day, the Lord spoke to me. How do you know he spoke to you? Because faith substance got dropped in your heart and you know that you know that you know that God spoke to you. And what he said, you have this hope that it's going to happen. Then what's the next thing that you do? You speak it. You declare it out of your mouth. Look at somebody and say, use your mouth to say what God says. See, you have this spiritual building block on the inside of you, and now you begin to pray it, you begin to declare it, and the angels of God see faith substance, and they go to work on your behalf. Some of you think, this guy's crazy. Now I'm telling you how things work. I'm pulling the veil back so that you can understand practically how things work in the kingdom of God. This is how we live. See, most people, when they hear God speak to them to tell them to do something, the first thing they're looking for is what, how? How am I going to do it, God? It's impossible for me. I don't have it. Yeah, anytime the Lord speaks to you, you never have it. You don't have the skill. You don't have the money. You don't have the connections. You don't have anything to do it. But in the Word comes the ability. Say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Who is Christ? He's the Word of God. When the Word of God, that living Word, enters your heart, you get the ability to do what God said you should do. And in that Word is a command. In that Word is authority. In that Word is a key. And that key will unlock things when you use your mouth. You will bind things on earth, and you will loose things on earth. You see, a lot of people are trying to bind and loose, but they don't have anything, any substance that gives them the authority to do it. I've, been to, I've done this too. Look at somebody and say, you learn from wisdom. You learn from pain. I remember people would say to me, this man's dying in the hospital. Come and pray for him. And I'd hype myself up. Yeah, this is it. Raise this guy up. Go, go, yell him. Woo! And you go to the hospital and pray and it's like nothing. Because you're going in your own strength. You don't have the substance to heal the guy. You don't have the substance to bind and loose and create. Because you're going in your own strength. And you're hyping yourself up thinking that you're going to go transform the world. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. If he doesn't tell, he doesn't give you the authority to do it, you cannot do it. If he doesn't open the door, there's no way you can achieve it. But when he does it, oh, everything that's impossible suddenly becomes possible. But not by might, nor by power, but by his spirit. I remember the Lord would speak to me about things to come. I always see things in the future. And I would get so pumped up that the Lord spoke to me. i go tell my wife, the Lord said we're doing this. Let's go. And she's like, no, we got to do this, this, and this to get there. And I'm like, she's holding me back. She doesn't know. The Lord spoke to me. I know the Lord spoke to me. Fine. I don't care if she's with me. No, I'm going to go do it because the Lord is with me. Two weeks later, sorry, babe. Don't get ahead of God. Can you say amen? Man, if you have a woman, God has given you a gift. He's added something to your life, and you have to understand what he's given you. It took me a little while to figure out what he gave me. So gifted and talented and beautiful. I had, to, I had to come through the mesmerization first before I could discover all the gifting. But when you, when you get married, you just begin to discover what marriage is all about. 
And there's a, there's, there's a wrestling that takes place for the two to become one heart and one mind in the Lord. And when you click into that place together, where you stand back to back as a whole unit in the word of what God said, one can put a thousand to flight, two can put tens of thousands to flight. Two people in unity in God can change the world. But what happens is we fight one another for control. Everybody's like, hmm. God told me, no, God told me, no, God told me, no, God told me. Stop being spiritually prideful and humble yourselves and work together in love. And so I remember when the Lord spoke to me that we needed to step out and start the church. And I was excited. I mean, I was like, I had encounter that wrecked me. And I told my wife the encounter, and I shared it with her. And she said, babe, if we start a church, there's like, we, we don't we lose most of our money. <laughs> we have two children. We have a car payment. We have a house payment. We got electric Water bills, food bills, credit cards. How are we going to do that? And there was resistance from her side because I heard from the Lord, but she hadn't heard from the Lord yet. So I could have said, I'm doing it with or without you. There would have been no unity and she would have waited for me to fail. So when God showed up to Mary and said, hey, I want to impregnate you with the Son of God. I know you're engaged to that guy. I know it's going to mess up your whole life. People are going to look at you and say things about you. And Mary was not ashamed of the Lord. And she said, be it unto me according to your word. And she carried the Son of the living God in her womb. And when her fiancé found out she was pregnant... He didn't believe her either. Imagine that conversation. <laughs> yeah, I'm secretly leaving this woman. She... And while he was considering leaving her, an angel of the Lord appeared to him and confirmed to him that what she was saying was true. And so I didn't push the envelope. I just said, Lord, this is what you've said to me. If this is what you really want to do, my wife needs to be on board. Several days later, 3 a.m. in the morning, a wind blows into the bedroom, wakes my wife up, the presence of the Lord in the room, and he confirms everything to her that he said to me. And when she woke up the next day excited, we were in agreement in what God said, and we stepped out. Are you with me? And so if you're married, your wife or your husband, you guys are a family unit. And where one goes, the other goes. And if you go down a dark road, you take your whole family with you. And they're the people that love you. They're the ones that are every day putting up with you and serving you. And they're going to live with you and you're going to make their lives miserable? No, you need to get slapped. You need to wake up. We've got to love those that are in our families first before we go win the world. Amen. Man, you should wake up in the morning ready to serve your wife and make her feel like she's a princess. Like when she leaves home, she's going to feel like, man, I don't want to leave home. My house is the coolest place. I feel like a queen in my castle. I'm so blessed. Woman, you should wake up in the morning wanting to serve your husband too in the same way. 100%. Not looking for them to do anything for you, but you just be a blessing to them. No strings attached. And if you'll have that mindset where you're just blessing one another, you'll have the happiest home alive. But if you're sitting there, you didn't do anything for me. Well, when you do this for me, I'll do that for you. 
You went out on Friday, so I'm going out on Saturday. I had the baby tonight. You're having the baby tomorrow. You had the kids yesterday. So you got to take them to... You got to quit that division mess in your household. You spend $50 out of the account. I need to spend $50 out of the account too. We got to make it even. You took $10. You didn't tell me, so I did the same. What is that? You have your bank account. I have my bank account. You have your boy time. I have my girl time. What is that? What the hell is that? That's division. That comes straight from the pits of hell. And you need to get that out of your household. Because you will grow your children up in a home of division and it will cause rebellion in their lives. Because there's no unity and stability in the house. Don't say, as for me and my house, we serve the Lord. Because you go to church on Sunday, but there's no unity in your home. I better calm down now. My heart is beating. Because that's how the enemy destroys. He divides with deception and selfishness and then brings destruction. And I hate that. Let the light shine in darkness and expose that and bring unity and strength in our homes so that we can build on wisdom. And I've learned this too over the years. Just as much as God has a plan for me, He has a plan for my wife and for my children. But those plans work together. When it's in love, in the Spirit, they work together. And so I don't want my wife to get to the end of her life and say, I did everything to see what God said to you to come to pass, but I never pursued what the Lord said to me. We got you everything you wanted, but I never got anything. And we've learned how God is moving in our lives. And there's a season where I'm laying down my life to serve what God's doing in her life. And she's laying down her life to serve what God's doing in my life. And we're laying down our lives to serve what God's doing in our children's lives. So that we can all fulfill what God's called us to do individually, but also corporately. And that's the household. That's where all the training happens. It doesn't matter. What industry you go into, if it's not right in your house, it doesn't work outside the house. It's the foundation for everything. And so we stepped out and started the church in unity, in agreement. And along the way, 2009, a year later, Misty has an encounter with the Lord and the Lord shows her a never-ending sea of young people coming towards her. And God breaks her heart, and the Lord tells her to start the Youth Development Center. We started before and after school care. And that grew. We, for 15 years, all we did was work, work, work on building the youth centers. Preschool, before and after school care, VPK. Project Rock Out of School Suspension Program. K through 8th grade school. Not one location, two locations. Summer camp program. Now we're in South Africa. We just launched another one in South Africa. We're getting ready to launch another one in Kenya. Why? Because God spoke. We're building it on what God said. We didn't wake up one morning and be like, mm, I got a great idea. Let's try this. Oh, apparently there's money in crypto. Let's go do that. Oh, there's this new pyramid scheme happening. We're going to become rich. It's like saying, I'm going to go to the casino and win the jackpot. And so it unfolds. Wisdom progressively unfolds. Start this, start that, start this, start that. And you're building. Look at somebody and say, wisdom builds. Find somebody else and tell them, wisdom builds.
Proverbs chapter 9, verse 1 says, Wisdom has built her house, and she has set up its seven columns. Proverbs 14, 1 says, A wise woman builds her home, but a foolish woman tears it down with her own hands. And so if you're foolish, you'll never build anything. But if you're wise and you work with God, you'll build things layer by layer, step by step. And what you build will stand because it's on the foundation of the Word of God. And He holds all things together by the power of His Word. That's how you build your life on a firm foundation. So that when the wind and the waves come, you're not afraid because you know that you have a substance. It is built in the kingdom and it's not of this world. And no matter what happens in this world system, you know that what you built, God has got his hand in it and it's unshakable. Now, why did I share that story with you? It's very important for you to understand that this vision about Kenya that the Lord has given me, when we came back from launching Club Pure South Africa, the Lord spoke to me and He said, I want you to partner with Gideon and Evelyn and start building buildings. That's all He said to me. And then He said, start kingdom business. So that's what we did. That was the first step. God said it, we said it, and we started working on it. Once we went to January, we launched Club Pure in uh, Peter Maritzburg, we came back from that, and the Lord spoke to me during fire week, and He gave me the next step. I was fasting and praying. I was in my office. The presence of the Lord came upon me, and all the kids' faces that I was scrolling through social media and looking at, the Lord said to me, they're saved because of what you've done. Reach more of them for me. So I sent a message out to my family, still under the power of God. And I said, because here's the thing. When you keep having visions all the time, people are like, this guy's always having visions. Like, but when I was under the power of God and I put that on there, they could see that I wasn't just making this stuff up. So I released it to the family. And I said, we're going after more kids. Then I went to the men's conference. It was Saturday morning. I was sitting in the presence of the Lord, and the presence of the Lord came upon me again. Look at the person next to you and say, when the presence of the Lord comes upon you, you'll have visions, you'll have dreams, you'll prophesy. It's see, the Spirit of God comes on you, and you awaken to the heart of God, the mind of God, and then God speaks to you in pictures and sound, and it it's light, and it imprints on your heart. It's not written on tablets of stone like laws. It's written on the inside of you, and it becomes a fire on the inside of you. It becomes so real on the inside of you that you know what God said is possible. And I was sitting there, and I started seeing kids' faces like clearly. And the Lord said to me, I'm gracing you and your wife to become the mother and the father of my orphans in Kenya. And I will raise them up to positions of influence, even to the office of the president. And then in a fast forward motion, I saw us building centers to reach these orphans in the nation. And then the Lord said, what you build in 10 years will become a national model that will be duplicated in other nations. So that's why we went to Kenya. We didn't go on vacation. Oh, a little father-son trip must be nice. People are crazy. They look at you on social media and then they get mad. Throwing stones. And they have no clue what God said. You be careful about what you think and say about other people because you don't know what God said to them. And the way you treat others, God will treat you, have people treat you the same way. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, he's going to reap. And you better keep your mouth off things you don't understand. And so, this weekend, this conference, is the year of the open door. We're walking through a door into a brand new season, and there's a key that you've been given. And just like 
I shared with my wife, however many years ago, 15 years ago now, 16 years ago, that the Lord spoke to me to step out and start the ministry. The Lord confirmed it in her, and we were in agreement, and we stepped together. The same thing has happened, not just with me and my wife now, but with this church, where I'm sharing the vision, and through Pure Conference, God has been showing you flashes to confirm what I'm saying and what your piece is in the puzzle. That's what this is about. I didn't open this conference to the whole city and try to get everybody in here. That's not what this is about. This is about who God has called here, and we're in unity and in relationship. And together we're working to do what God says to do. And if you're here new, I encourage you, come through process, lay down your life. If you feel this is where God is calling you, God has a peace for you, but it doesn't get handed to you immediately. There's a price to pay. And I've learned my lesson. God raises people up that are faithful. He doesn't need talent. Talented people look for fame and money and recognition. But faithful people just love and they want to serve. And when you're faithful and you lay down your life to serve God, no matter what, He, he raises you up because you humbled yourself. And God empowers you. I am not qualified to go and build a model in the nations. Who am I? I'm nobody. I'm a kid from a farm in the smallest coal mining town in Africa. I'm nobody. But because I laid down my life and I said, God, here's my life. Do whatever you want with it. God has done what he's done. And now he's saying, I'm going to give you the nations. I turned 50 in February. From 50 to 60, we're going to build a model in the nation of Kenya. There's 3 million orphans in that nation, and they're God's orphans. And He has a plan for their lives. And God has asked us to take what we've built here over the last 15 years and duplicate it in the nations. And we're going to do it. You can be part of it or not, it's your choice. But if you'll say, God, I want to be part of what you're doing in the nations, my heart is here, and cry out to the Lord, He'll confirm it in your life. And if this is not the house for you, then you need to ask God, where do you want me, God? And you need to connect with a vision, and you need to let God put a peace in you so that you can support what He wants to do in the earth, because He's working through His body. Don't be disconnected on the outside somewhere. You'll just watch everybody else getting blessed and you'll get bitter. And the only way into this thing is to give your life to God. And you've got to shift, <laughs> you've got to shift out of your life and get into the flow of the life of God. And I'm prophesied to you. When God said to me, start kingdom business, over the next 10 years, God is going to raise up millionaires and multimillionaires, and I'll even be as bold to say billionaires in this house through the wisdom of God so that He can fund the projects that need to be done in the nations. Oh, yeah, I feel like reading that just for fun. Yeah, that's fantastic, Jesus. Go to 1 Kings chapter 18, and I'll probably close with this. Anybody getting anything out of this today? Let me say this about this conference too this week. The Lord showed me that, and it just happened naturally. I have been very real about my relationship with the Lord. I've ex I wanted to expose, I always do it, but I feel like it's come across in this weekend more than ever before, that I truly have a relationship with God, and I've tried to show you what it looks like through my stories and how God deals with me, because God wants you to have a relationship with Him, so that we can break out all these religious, traditional things that don't fit and I'm willing to go to the point of being vulnerable about 
how He deals with me. So that you can see that this is what it looks like. Can you say amen? First Kings, chapter 18, verse 41. Then Elijah said to Ahab, now this is prophet Elijah. You can go back and read the story. In 17, verse 1, he goes to the king and he says, there's not going to be rain until I give the word. Then God says to him, go east and go to the Kerith brook uh, where it enters the Jordan River. Drink from the brook, eat what the ravens bring you, for I have commanded them to bring you food. So this is, this, is, this is what I was talking about. God gives you a word. You release the word. Then God says, go to the brook. I've commanded the ravens to take care of you at the brook. That doesn't make sense. Ravens don't feed anybody. They only feed themselves. They're scavengers. Are you with me? But yet when God commands a raven to feed you, it'll bring you food. So... Oh, God, you're going to send a raven to feed me? That's ludicrous. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I know the nature of ravens. Yeah, you know the nature of ravens until God speaks to the raven. You know the nature of fish. They don't want to get on the hook or in the net. But then when God says get in the net, the whole ocean gets in the net. Because he commands nature. He's the ruler over everything he creates. He can even get a donkey to rebuke a prophet. Dr. Doolittle right there. But then, because there's no rain, the brook dries up. So Elijah did as the Lord told him. Say that Elijah did as the Lord told him. No matter how stupid it sounds, you just say, yes, sir, and then you go do it. He camped beside the Kerith Brook, east of the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat each morning and in the evening, and he drank from the brook. But after a while, the brook dried up, for there was no more rainfall anywhere in the land. So what happens when things start drying up? The Lord speaks again. Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. I've instructed a widow there to feed you. Oh, great God. First the ravens, now a widow. Widows are poor. They're struggling. How's she going to feed me? You can argue with the Lord or you can obey the Lord. With the person next to you, say, don't be a goat with all your butts. So he went to Zarephath. As he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks and he asked her, would you please bring me a little water? Now, God's already spoke to this woman. She has to decide if she's going to obey God when the prophet comes. Uh, 10, 17, 10. Sorry, I had to tell the backstory. I was at 18, but then I had to go back. Would you please bring me a little cup of water? As she was going to get it, he called to her, bring me a bite of bread too. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God, I do not have a single piece of bread in the house. I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal, and then my son and I will die. She, was, she really had a bright future. This woman was hopeless. She was down to her last meal. There's a drought in the land, and she said, we're going to eat our last meal, and we're going to die, and you prophet man coming here to take my last meal, forget about it. Anytime God sends a prophet in your life, it's to break you out of the thing you're struggling with. Can you say amen? But if you can't recognize the men and the women of God that God sends in your life, you'll never believe them, and you'll never break through. You'll stay stuck. Fast forward, she does it. God does a miracle. They have food. He does a miracle in this widow's house. Then her son dies. God raises the son from the dead. Then after three years, the Lord says to Elijah, go tell King Ahab, let's meet. Bring all the false prophets that you have to the mountain, and I'll bring the people of Israel to the mountain. We're going to do this to, to altars, and we're going to determine today who is God. And the God who answers by fire, that will be the God we serve. 
And so they both build their altars. The false prophets went, cutting themselves, rain dancing, no fire fell. Then Elijah built the altar, called on the Lord, fire fell, consumed the offering. They took all these false prophets down to the river and slaughtered them. Imagine we did that today. Ay, ay, ay. Pretty bloody. And then right after that, say right after that. Verse 41. Then Elijah said to Ahab, Go get something to eat and drink, for I hear a mighty rainstorm coming. So Ahab went to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel. He bowed down low to the ground and began to pray with his face between his knees. Then he said to his servant, go and look out towards the sea. So the servant went to look, and when he returned to Elijah, he said, I didn't see anything. What is this conference about? Look to see what the Lord is saying. Look at the person next to you and tell him, we're here this weekend to climb our watchtower, to stand, to look, and to see what God is saying. Then he said to his servant, go look out towards the sea. The servant went and looked when he returned. I didn't see anything. Seven times Elijah told him to go and look and say, finally, the seventh time his servant told him, I saw a little cloud about the size of a man's hand rising from the sea. Then Elijah shouted, hurry, tell Ahab to get in his chariot and go back home. If you don't hurry, the rain will stop you. As soon as the sky was black with clouds, a heavy wind brought in a terrific rainstorm. And Ahab left quickly for Jezreel. Then the Lord gave special strength to Elijah. Look at the person next to you and say, there's an ability. There's a special strength that the Lord can give you. He said he tucked his cloak into his belt and he ran ahead of Ahab's chariot all the way to the entrance of Jezreel. What does that mean? He was booking it. He was surely booking it. I want you to know that the king had the best horses and he had the best chariot. And the world might look like they have the best horses and the best chariots. But when God gives you the power to produce wealth... The power that comes on you will give you the ability to outrun anything that the world has. Can you say amen? We're not looking to the world. We're looking to God. He is the provider and He is our source. And He's going to fund what we're doing in the nations. And if God has called you to this house and to kingdom business, you need to tap the strategy that God is going to release. I want to encourage you. Don't come up with your own business plan. Wait and look to see what God is saying. If you have to stay on your knees and pray and look and say, I didn't see nothing then you don't give up and quit. You get back on your knees and you keep praying and saying, God, I want to be part of what you're doing in the nation of Kenya. I want to build that city. I want to build those buildings. Whatever you want me to do, God, I need the resources to fund it. I'm looking to see, to get the wisdom you have for me so that I can be empowered to do what you're calling us to do. It's available right here in this house. Say it's available right here in this place. One final thing I'm going to say, and we can close today. And that is God said it before he saw it. Look at somebody and say, God said, let there be light. And God saw the light and it was good. We've got to speak it and then we'll see it. God drops it in your heart, but then you speak it, and then you'll begin to see it begin to happen. But you don't just speak it. You have to add corresponding action to it. Amen? And so there is power in our mouths. There's power in the things we say, especially when we say what God says. 